Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, it's Marcy. I'm one of the hosts of the show. I'm with my husband, Bran. Today, we're going to talk about masking. Over the past few years, scientists have discovered that many women on the spectrum camouflage the signs of their autism. This masking may explain, at least in part, why three to four times as many boys as girls are diagnosed with the condition. It might also account for why girls diagnosed young tend to show severe traits and highly intelligent girls are often diagnosed late. Men on the spectrum also camouflage, researchers have found, but not as commonly as women. Nearly everyone makes small adjustments to fit in better or conform to social norms, but camouflaging calls for constant and elaborate effort. It can help women on the, with autism maintain their relationships and careers, but those gains often com, come at a heavy cost, including physical exhaustion and extreme anxiety. The masks help keep us safe by pleasing others and meeting the needs of others. Masking is exhausting, especially when you are doing it constantly with no relief. The, the emotional, mental, and physical wear and tear is starting to be recognized in research as directly connected to the autistic suicide rate and separate, separately the autistic early death rate. On the other hand, there are many people who are late diagnosed with whom the realization that they have been masking their entire lives is a truth and they start to remove it layer by layer. We encourage autistics to remove the mask. Allow yourself to be your authentic self. And with that, let's hear the interview. Hey everybody, today we have Kate Shaw with us again. And uh, I'm going to turn the time over to her to introduce herself. Okay, hi everyone. Um, I'm Kate Shaw. I'm from the UK. Uh, I'm a trained photographer and now I am a special needs teacher as well. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, can, you, can you remind us uh, when you're diagnosed with autism? Yeah, so um, I officially started the diagnosis journey when I was 18 years old. Um, but I was officially diagnosed when I was 20, so it took a long time. <laughs> what was life before you were diagnosed? Um, before I was diagnosed, it was sort of like I knew something was very different about the way that I saw the world. Um, and I, d I didn't really know what to do about it, really. I just thought, oh, well, I'll listen to what everybody else says. So everyone used to say, oh, well, that's just Kate, or, oh, she's just shy, or, um, oh, she's just got, you know, a very artistic mind or a very, um, a very open way of, of thinking about things. Um, and that, to me, just kind of seemed normal. I just thought, okay, well... You know, this is just the way I am. There's, there's nothing to it, really. Um, I'm just different from everybody else, which, you know, now, um, obviously, I know why I think in the way that I do. Um, but, you know, I'm still very much the same person. It's just I know why I think like that now. Does being uh, autistic give you any advantage over your field of work? Um, I think in teaching, definitely, because, um, like, for example, um, I've been called the Aspie Whisperer, um, 
and a lot of my colleagues come to me with um, sort of problems that they're not really sure how to face with um, some of the children that they do teach um, because I understand that it, it must be really, really difficult for a neurotypical to get into that mindset, um, that autistic mindset. And even though every autistic person is obviously different, um, it's, it's a little bit easier for me to understand what that child might be thinking or how they might be thinking about a certain situation. Um, so, like, for example, um, one of the children who I've taught before, um, some of his teachers were saying, we just, we just don't understand. He sings and he loves music and... You know, he loves hitting instruments and things like that. Um, but as soon as we take him into music class, he just has a meltdown and we don't know why. Um, and so I, I sort of observed for not very long at all, actually. Um, and they started playing this music for the children to play along with, with the drums and the tambourines and things. And he started having a meltdown. And I knew immediately it was because of the way that the audio was coming out of the speakers. Um, and that, for me, that was a sensitivity for me. So I guess I do, I have that advantage um, of understanding the sort of sensory aspects of those children. Um, so, yes, I, I would say it's an advantage. Do you find it uh, difficult to form friendships? Um, yeah, I, I find it really, really hard. Um, and I think I also have that sort of um, autistic thing of basically I have a friend um, and then I'm not quite sure how to maintain that friendship. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree that sometimes you, you might try too hard to um, to maintain that friendship and make sure that they're okay or make sure that you know you're liked and, and they they like you um and so yeah I think keeping friendships has always been something that's been really difficult for me yeah I, I totally understand I have trouble keeping friends myself I think I try too hard yeah that's what I've had so many people on the spectrum say that it's because I think we care too much perhaps if that's possible no, no, I totally understand, yeah. Um, do you understand irony? I do, yes. Um, I think living in England, <laughs> you have to understand irony and sarcasm, otherwise you just won't survive. It's part of our sort of DNA almost in our humour, um, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, irony, I don't really find it funny. I understand... Um, how to use it and, and what it means but yeah I've never found it very funny Are you often forced to overthink things? Um, yeah I, I think maybe not forced to overthink things but um, my brain does kind of go off on um, random tangents and um. I do, I do think of things in extreme detail, um, definitely. 
do you think being autistic makes it harder to fall in love? Um, harder to fall in love, I'm not sure, because I think autistic people, um, or anyone really on the spectrum, um, can fall in love quite easily. Um, and that's just speaking from my experience, obviously, everybody's different. Um, but I think it's perhaps more of an issue of when you fall in love, it's, it's maintaining that trust. Because, um, for example, with my autism, um, I find it very, very difficult to understand people's intentions. So I quite often have to be reminded, um, you know, that this is my intention and, you know, and I have to kind of trust that person in, in what they're saying without that kind of um, sort of instinctual understanding that a, a neurotypical might have um, when falling in love. Um, do you find that other people's humor difficult to understand? Um, I think quite often, yes. Especially when um, it's things that I don't I don't quite understand the context of, um, or if I don't know if 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 they're say laughing at somebody, I find that really really difficult. Um, to understand because I've never really understood that sort of form of humour um, particularly in school um, I was part of actually quite a big group of friends but I didn't I didn't really uh, connect with them or relate to them so um, when they would make fun of each other or make fun of someone sometimes I'd kind of think I don't really understand this so I'll just kind of laugh anyway in a sort of social masking kind of way um but you know and that's really difficult because if you don't understand people's sense of humor um then that's it's quite hard to relate to them really do you have a compulsive personality um i'm not really sure whether i would say it was compulsive i think um, I do go into things sometimes without thinking about them. Um, like my family and friends are always saying, well, you've got so much going on all the time. You're always starting new projects and you're always, you know, you're always doing things all the time. Um, and I don't know whether that, that would be a kind of compulsive or impulsive personality. I'm not sure. Um, but um, even though there are a lot of things going on, at the same time, I do kind of rely on my routine. So it's sort of like two in one. <laughs> <laughs> Does it ever feel like you're, you're living in a in your own world? Yeah, it's lived like that. I've lived like that my whole life. Uh, and I've never, ever really stepped out of it. Um, I kind of feel like people were stepping into my world more than me stepping into theirs um and i think possibly a lot of people on the spectrum would sort of agree that that's how it feels you are in your own world and then the people that come into it whether you want them to or not um you know that they're, they're sort of like guests in in your world rather than you being part of theirs 
Um, have you ever dated someone without telling them you're autistic? Um, I've been, yeah, I mean, I've dated people who, um, I wasn't really sure whether to tell them that I was autistic or not. Um, and I've, I've had so many experiences now where it's just, um, like, for example, um, I went out with a man, um, I think it was on the fourth date, I decided to tell him that I was autistic, um, and he, we were sat down at dinner, and he got up and left. Oh, wow. And I know, there's those things, but then, not to discourage anybody on the spectrum from dating, that was a one-off occurrence, but, um, I just find it really interesting with some people's, um, reactions, because, for example, um, I, I'm in a relationship now and I'm really happy and the way that he reacted the first time he, he wanted to know more and I think that's such a amazing beautiful thing um, and that's the way it should be but you know there were quite a few people that were like oh I'm not sure how to how to deal with this or how to um, process this or um, and I think the main thing behind that is to ask questions um you know if you are neurotypical and you've just found out that somebody you're dating is on the spectrum just ask questions because you know sure you can do research or sure you can you know you can watch videos on um you know being on the spectrum or anything but it's autism is such a personal experience i find um and because everybody's different, you're never really fully going to understand that person unless you ask them questions about themselves. Um, so, yeah, I, I have I have definitely um, dated people without telling them um, until sort of the fourth or fifth date, just so that they could get to know me before that sort of um, misconception <laughs> pool comes into play. Uh do you feel like you have to wear a mask more often than not? Um, I think it depends on the situation. I I don't really wear my mask anymore because um, going into my adult years, I've realized that there's just no point in not being who I am. Um, and I think that's really, really important to sort of pass on to... Um, anybody who's listening who you know they know that they're social and masking um because at one point you are going to have to give it up you know it's, it's exhausting keeping it um keeping it going keeping it maintained um obviously depending on how much you are masking um but it will tire you out and eventually you will have to give it up which is terrifying but you know that's the truth so yeah I, I did give up my mask probably around the time when um, I was diagnosed actually and since then I've just been myself <laughs> uh, do you think you wear a mask more often than a male would um, when I did wear it yes definitely um, I mean I think there's enough research to go into it now that, um, you know, social masking is a, a very much a female, um, 
sort of trait uh, of autism. Um, but obviously there are men that social mask as well. Um, but I haven't spoken to one person on the spectrum who's a woman who has said, oh, I've never socially masked. Um, so I, th- I think it, I think it definitely is a female trait, um, very strongly. How did it feel when you removed the mask? Um, kind of freeing, to be honest, because I'd always get into sort of social trouble, as I call it, um, and I'd come out with things that people have then become angry, like my neurotypical friends would say, oh, well, what you just said is rude or angry or, uh, you know, made me angry or, um, oh, Kate, you can't say that or just things that I didn't, I didn't really understand the situation. Um, or I'd say things, like people would be saying things as a joke and then I'd sort of, um, explain the factual reasoning behind a joke and then obviously it wouldn't be funny anymore, things like that. Um, and so those were kind of the cracks in my mask, um, showing my autism. Um, and so when I removed the mask it was so much more freeing because I felt like my friends that were in my life um really loved me for who I am and they're still in my life now so that was just so uh freeing and refreshing it was really good do you feel like women on the spectrum get overshadowed by men on the spectrum um in the media yeah definitely um, I don't. I don't think we have enough representation. Um, I cannot say one representation for me um, in the media or pop culture or anything that kind of represents um, a woman, woman on the spectrum like me. Um, and I know because I did a poll recently on Twitter, and um, so many people agreed, and they just said I. I can't think of any representation that truly shows someone like me, which is really sad, obviously. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of the characters are, I would say, sitcoms is a perfect example. Um, There's always kind of an Aspie personality type or or a a literal Aspie. Um, And they're always men, (laughs) it seems. (laughs) Um, which is a shame. I want to see more women. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for other women on the spectrum? Yeah, I think um, whatever you're doing um, career-wise or um, creatively or whatever you're passionate about, keep doing it. And I think... Well, I see it as my responsibility to be a, a role model for people um, on the spectrum who are obviously women. Um, and I think that any woman on the spectrum who um, is fortunate enough, like myself, to be, I hate using this term, but high-functioning enough to maintain a career, maintain um, themselves in a way um, where they can do projects like you know, podcasts and articles or anything that can kind of get the word out there, um, then they should really try and do it. It's a lot of fun. Um, and also, you know, it inspires others. So I would say 
be yourself and show other people that they can be themselves. Anything else you want to say before we close? Um, just thank you very much for having me on here. It's fantastic being here a second time. Yeah, <laughs> um, no problem. We love having you. Um, I guess also um, I've got a podcast uh, starting next week. It's called Just Jam, Please. I guess check that out. Um, the first episode will be posted next week, so that's exciting. Okay, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Now for some announcements. Next week we will hear from Morgan Page, the autist artist. And next week we will also start a giveaway. We'd like to thank our listeners. We um, achieved a number six position in a top 20 countdown for the autism podcasts. And that's it for this episode. Until next time.